all across America and around the world. This is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. Welcome to Veterans Radio. I am Jim Fawson. I'm the officer of the deck today. We've got some great programs for you. I think you'll find very interesting. We always want to remind you, you can find more about Veterans Radio at its Facebook site or by going to veteransradio.net where we're on the web 24-7. You can find a lot of our podcasts there as well. We post new ones every Tuesday, so you can get a new story, a new interview, something you didn't know before by going to veteransradio.net. And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors. First up, we want to thank National Veteran Business Development Council, nvbdc.org. It was established to certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses. You'll find out how they can help your business by going to nvbdc.org. We also want to thank Eisenhower Center. It's a brain injury recovery center. Learn more about eisenhowercenter.com. They're located in Michigan and in Florida. We want to thank Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans fights for veterans' disability rights all across the nation. You can reach them at 800-693-4800 or on the web at legalhelpforveterans.com. We want to thank VetBiz Central, which is part of the U.S. Small Business Association, VBOC, Vet Business Outreach Centers. VetBiz Central covers Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio, and can be reached at vetbizcentral.org. Let's move on to our programs. We want to welcome to Veterans Radio today, Rock Welder. Rock is uh, a Army veteran. He's got a lot of different uh, experiences we're going to talk about. Um, he grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and uh, did time, uh, if you will, in the Army Reserve and, and the full, you know, full-time uh, f- Army and then the Army National Guard. So we've got a lot of things to talk about. Rock, welcome to Veterans Radio. Hey, Jim. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, it's everybody's has different experiences, and it almost always starts with uh, why did you join the military? So let's start there. Okay, um, Jim, the reason why I joined the military is, you know, I was a young, impressionable, uh, very young man, a child, if you will, uh, by the age of seven. And, you know, uh, my uncle, he uh, joined the Marine Corps, and he came home after uh, boot camp, and, you know, he had his his hair cut low with a high and tight, uh, had his green uniform and he had his green duffel bag. And, and, and I just saw him being excited and getting, and he was a changed person. And, you know, all he, you know, he was just joking about everything being green, even the people, everybody was either light green or dark green, whatever the case may be. And, you know, and I just saw this glee and excitement. And me being a, a young male that, you know, that's, you know, rambunctious, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into activities and sports and what have you. I just took a liking to it immediately. And he had his C bag and that's the bag that you carry, you know, obviously when you, you 
come from boot camp. And he pulled out his red Marine book. It was basically his company or platoon book about his training there at, uh, you know, while he was in boot camp. And I got a hold of that book and I looked at it and I was gone. So at the age of seven years old, I just knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a Marine and I held on to that all the way until I became a legal age to be able to, uh, you know, go through a qualification to join. And at the age of 18, I shipped out. And, and that, pretty much that's the reason why I joined, because I was influenced by somebody really who didn't even know that they influenced me in that way. Well, there's, yeah, that's often the case is that uh, your actions have impact on others and you may not even know it. And, and, and a lot of times we hear, well, I joined the military because my dad or my grandpa did or the way my uncle carried himself. And that's certainly your case. So tell us at 18 now, did you join the Marines or were you in the army? I guess I'm confused by the, by the progression here. Yeah. Um, um, my timeline is, is an interesting one. Um, uh, I'm, I'm part of a small club, uh, at the age of eight, uh, well, really at 17, I joined, you know, delay entry program. And uh, at 18, that's when I was able, you know, upon graduation of high school, that's when I uh, shipped off to training. So I joined the Marine Corps out of the gate. So I did eight years in the Marine Corps. Then I got out, uh, I believe I joined the, um, the National Guard, uh, joined the Virginia National Guard, as a matter of fact. Uh, then got out of the Virginia National Guard, um, you know, worked you know, as an entrepreneur for a while. Then around about uh, 2004, Four, um, I came back in in the Army Reserve, um, left the Army Reserve, uh, transferred over to active duty Army, uh, spent some years in active duty Army, spent about three and a half years in active duty Army. Then I transferred back into the National Guard, the North Carolina National Guard. And I spent the rest of my time in the North Carolina, North Carolina National Guard and I retired out of there. Okay, now the veteran radio listeners understand why I was a little confused about the progression here because uh, unlike a lot of folks who got in and got out all in the same uh, branch, uh, you got the chance to sample uh, the Marines, the Army, the Reserves, the National Guard. Um, So that really gave you some unique experiences. But tell us what your responsibilities were in the uh, North Carolina National Guard, where you spent, uh, uh, I think, about nine years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, my time served in the North Carolina National Guard. Uh, I came in what's called the uh, Active Guard Reserve Program, AGR, for those who they know what that is. And it's pretty much that you're a National Guardsman, but you're on an active duty status. And I was a recruiter at that time. So I came in as a recruiter, left as a recruiter, and uh, I did multiple functions within the recruiting world uh, in reference to being a uh, basic recruiter, to being a college campus recruiter, to being a specialty branch recruiter, dealing with officers, uh, you know, in the medical field, uh, in, in, in the clergy fields. So, you know, I was well-rounded in my time in recruiting. And, uh, yeah, that, that took me on to retirement. And everything all together ended up to being 22 years. So, yeah, it was real interesting. Well, and that's often the story, right? You start in and say, I'm just going to do my, you know, two, four, six years, whatever it is that I got my commitment to. 
and the next thing you look up, it's 22 years later, and you've enjoyed the ride, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the ride simply because, you know, it was a ride. You know, it, it's, look, it, it, when you look at life, you have to understand that everything is going to be ups and downs. It's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be a turbulence. And in the midst of that, there's the excitement, the enjoyment. And I look at it like as long as I'm steadily progressing, as long as that there's uh, opportunities for me to explore and take advantage of and increase my life and not only mine, but the life of my families and people that I come in contact with, I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's ride this out until, <laughs> until it's time for me to leave. Well, and you, you got out in 2017. So you saw what happened after nine 11. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how the recruiting duties changed uh over over your time uh in that role oh wow um yeah the, the recruiting world is it's is a very interesting world but i i believe we all can i believe there's a lot of misconceptions about military recruiting but if we really look at it it's no different from any hr or, or recruiting stance and even in the civilian sector the fact of the matter is that there was a need to man the military. Uh, when I was in the National Guard and recruiting, it got so much to the point that uh, the United States military, and mind you, I was in recruiting. I started recruiting in 2008. So when you look at it from that standpoint, this is, you know, way after, you know, uh, you know, uh, 9-11. But Nevertheless, we are still in, you know, two conflicts, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan. So there was a great need for servicemen and women to fill the ranks of not just only uh, the National Guard, which I recruited for, but also the Army. So the National Guard recruiters nationwide became actual recruiters for the active service, the active Army. And we, there was a program at the time called Try One. So what would happen is, is that you would enlist the individual into the National Guard, but their first year being in military service, they would actually spend one year of time in active duty Army. And after they got done finishing a year, they would come back to the National Guard and finish out their contract. So it was very interesting because active duty Army, call it what it is, they were having a difficult time with force structure and placing uh, able bodies in their ranks. So that in and of itself was, I think, a great brainchild of Department of the Army because, you know, the mission continued and we were able to put, uh, you know, great men and women in position to serve the country. Well, and, and the National Guard is no longer just a you know a weekend warrior once a month and two weeks in the summer. The up-tempo and the use of the National Guard, uh, because we've been in um, constant conflict for over 20 years now, uh, has really changed, and I'm sure that impacted how you recruited and who you recruited and w- what they could expect to have happen during their National Guard career, I suspect. No, you're absolutely correct. 
Um, the interesting thing is, is once again, being part of the National Guard, I was privy to, uh, you know, the knowledge and the history of the Guard. Uh, the National Guard is the only organization uh, that has ever been in all conflicts uh, involving the United States of America. And with that being said, you know, the utilization of the Guard changed dramatically uh, during the time of 9-11. Uh, the National Guard was seen as a the viable, uh, ready force because when you look at force structure, the National Guard is the only reserve type element that is self-sustaining. Unlike the Army Reserve, the Marine Reserve, the Air Force Reserve, the National Guard encompasses all of the, you know, the combat element, combat support and combat service support. No other reserve element can boast that other than the Guard. So once again, with Department of Defense and Department of the Army, when they realize like, hey, look, active duty Army is taking a hit in reference to uh, supplying a, a force in locations where we need them. Who do we have readily accessible? and that we can strategize uh, in a unique way to still spread low uh, a workforce and, and an armed force throughout the world, it was the National Guard. So, you know, it, it, once again, utilizing what you have, and the Guard has come a long way from just being that weekend warrior to where you see the Guard, they're participating in uh, six months to a year, possibly even to a year and a half, two years of deployment time for National Guardsmen. And that prior to 9-11, that was unheard of. Well, and I don't want to necessarily turn this just into a promo for the National Guard, but we've seen their mission expand, um, certainly overseas, but at home as well. They've always been the the, the group that the state governors control to respond to hurricanes and natural disasters. And as we've gone through this pandemic, uh, we see it's the National Guard again that's out there, you know, poking people in the arms, giving shots and helping with uh, things related to, to pandemic because you can mobilize them. You can, they're trained, they're motivated, they know what they're doing. So, uh, again, enough of, the, enough of my uh, uh, <laughs> g- g- given the National Guard promo. What I want to do, uh, Rock, and we're talking to Rock Wilder, um, I, I think you're probably in a n- unique position, too, to talk about the benefits of military service. It's cer- certainly something you talk to with recruits. But even in your own life, as you now have had the opportunity to look back after retiring for a few years, Talk to us about your views on the benefits of military service. Absolutely. Um, I would say the views, you know, the, the benefits of military service, it, it, it can be overwhelming because there are so many. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where you really have to engulf yourself from day one to learn what you're entitled to simply because you signed on the dotted line. And I know for me, it was always, even as a, as a youngster, I was like, okay, how do I take advantage of this? How do I take advantage of that to enhance my life? And that, you know, never became, uh, you know, uh, ser- so serious until it was time for retirement. And if I could share any advice with any veteran, um, 
you know, that's that's in and, and they're nearing retirement. The advice I would share to them and and it became personal for me because during my out processing time, I got some of the best advice in the world. And and most of my veterans who have retired, uh, they, they'll know where I'm heading because, you know, because of your service, you're, you're entitled to get a review where you can receive compensation for, you know, your retirement. Um, and it's usually through the VA, through your, your, your VA compensation. And you receive a rating. And when I was going through my last physical, my medical physical, I had a nurse that broke it down to me so simple and plain, it blessed me the whole way through. And what she said to me was, she said, please don't speak to me as, you know, Sergeant Wilder. Don't speak to me as the veteran, the leader. She said, speak to me in a sense of, you know, you know, new enlistee Wilder. Explain to me everything that occurred to you, every situation, every medical uh, injury or what have you from the time that you came in to, to right now. And when she explained that to me, because I didn't see it that way, I was still stuck in, you know, I'm a leader, you know, I work through the pain, you know, I, I, you know, I just press through nothing, nothing is a big deal. And I, I was quite, you know, I felt probably ashamed to mention just, you know, some dings and, you know, some just mishaps of, you know, my medical history. But when she explained it to me like that, it made me comfortable to explain to her because she was like, I'm here to help you because I have to notate this based on what you tell me. And because she explained it to me that way, my transition as far as uh, receiving my VA rating couldn't went any smoother. It could. It was the best thing that probably ever happened to me in reference to my out processing. Because when I looked at it that way, and when I looked at everything else that I was entitled to, be it 9 11, you know, uh, GI Bill benefits, uh, be it, um, uh, uh, you know, housing or whatever you want to call it, I opened myself up to say to myself, as long as I'm candid as I possibly can be, as honest as I possibly can be, and, you know, just receive humbly. And be hungry for the information that's out there for me. Your transition out of the military service will be one of the best things you've ever done in your life. And, but you have to be open for that. And you have to be, you have to do a lot of homework prior to getting out. And you have to continue your homework after you've gotten out. I want, to, I want to go back to two words you just used because I have not heard them put together this way. And I think it really sums it up. And that you have to be humble and hungry. You have to be mm. humble enough to accept help, guidance, information, counseling, whatever it might be. And then you have to be hungry enough to go after that stuff. That, yeah, that's uh, as you put those phrases together, that kind of is what went through my mind. And as I say, Rock, I'm not, I'm not sure somebody's phrased it quite like that before. Yeah, absolutely. Um Prior to me getting out, you know, thank God I had a lot of uh, good connections uh, as far as military members who have gotten out prior to me. Uh, a lot of seniors um, that, you know, that were senior to me in position, they were heading towards retirement. And, you know, I, I had the vision of knowing, like, look, this is, I may believe that I'm, 
you know, the best thing that ever happened to the military service. I'm a strapping young guy. And but all things, all good things will come to an end. And because I understood what the end would be, uh, I was hungry for, okay, what is going to be the next step? Because what I don't want to end up in is I got out and then I'm trying to uh, correct or I'm trying to fulfill uh, what should have been available to, available to me prior to me getting out. And once again, it, you know, what you said, the, the humble piece came in that was, you know, and I know that's hard for a lot of veterans because, you know, you spend any time in the military, you achieve rank. You achieve status, you achieve position, and, you know, it's not commonplace for a leader to be in a, a place of need. But when you realize that, you know, you're not the master of everything that's going to happen, the only thing you can be a master of is of your life at that point, I had to put myself in a receiving mode. And thank God that I did because I received... Just like many other veterans, but there's a lot of other veterans who don't understand that the assistance and the help is there. I mean, I'm talking about legal counsel. I'm talking about medical uh, 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 treatment. I'm talking about behavior health treatment. I mean, you name it, it's there. And all you pretty much have to do is, hey, this is who I am. This is my service. This is what I'm thinking. This is a concern. This is something that I'm interested in. And there are like men and women located within the VA, outside of the VA, partnered with veteran programs that live to help you as long as you're willing to be honest and forthcoming about where your status is in life and where you want to go. And because I take advantage of that, I believe that my quality of life is a great one because of the men and women who desire to continue to serve me because I served. You, you really approach this, it sounds like, Rock, not that, that this thing had ended and you are starting over from ground zero, but that you're starting with the next chapter of life, and there's a bunch of people to help you write that book. It, it, do I have that right? Oh, you're spot on. You're spot on because it, it, it's, it, it is a fraternity. It is a... It, it is a organization that you're still part of. And, and, and I would say it like this. I had a friend tell me one time, he said, Hey, look, he said he believes America. Let's just take America. He said, this country was at its best is when veterans continue to, you know, turn the next page, visit the next chapter of their life and be productive members in society. And I don't care if that's politics. I don't care if that's in your, your local government. doesn't matter if it's within your local organizations and your, uh, in your churches or whatever the case may be. Veterans bring such a value of, you know, uh, you know, just tenacity and, and morals and principles and, and courage and, and, and you name it. They, we bring such and enrichment into society that America benefits off of us. And, you know, we, we, we strengthen our communities and our family and our friends because of what we endured during the years of our service. 
So I, when I when I transition and do my day to day, I look at it as yes, I'm in the next chapter, and I'm going to make this chapter just as good as it was when I served, due to the fact that I have support systems that want to see me uh, succeed because they want to see America succeed. Well, well said, Rock. Uh, really well said, and it sort of brings us all the way back around to your uncle. Um, who inspired you because we, we, as we were talking that that uncle coming out of the marine corps boot camp didn't realize the ripple effect he was having on you and others just as that veteran gets out and transitions to that next chapter in life and and you start serving in public office or serving in organizations or being a good employee somewhere or at your church or your civic club you're having that same ripple effect of man that guy squared away he that army dude you know he knows what he's talking about and i'll I'll listen to him so um before we get uh, out of time here i want to bring us back around to uh, what you're doing today currently and how folks might uh, keep track of that yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, wh- one of the benefits that happened to and, and it's available to all our military veterans, I was able to, to participate in uh, one of the GI Bill programs, uh, you know, vocational, uh, uh, you know, rehabilitation and education program, which, it, you know, I was, you know, blessed to with uh, tuition uh, uh, payments and uh, stipends to get me through school, to seek another career. And one of the careers that that really interests me, and I did not know that I had a liking towards it, was the media. Um, so I went to, uh, here in Michigan, I went to uh, Specs Howard, and, you know, it was all paid for through the VA because I was a veteran. And, you know, I, you know, jumped in, jumped in head first, and one of the other things that I do along with that, upon getting the education, I just continue to expand my wings far as doing my own brand of, of media, taking advantage of social media platforms, creating a, a podcast for, via YouTube, and you know, being open to connect with people such as yourself, Jim, to live a life and create a life of, of, of a career that has been given to me all because I'm taking advantage of uh, uh, entitlements that was offered to me because of my service. So, you know, for the most part, I continue to grow, continuing to network, and I build on my own platform while connecting and uh, putting myself in positions to uh, be available to work for some of the, you know, the bigger companies in our local area. So uh, media, you know, broadcast media is one of the highlights of my uh, post-retirement life, and uh, I I enjoyed it tremendously. Well, I know folks can find you on LinkedIn at Rock Wilder, um, so I direct folks there. And Rock, I want to thank you for taking a little time today to talk with Veterans Radio and uh, give us some of your insights about uh, uh, service and, and, and the benefits and sharing some wisdom about being humble and hungry. Yeah, um, I, I would tell anybody this. Um, 
One of the biggest things I used to say as a recruiter, I will always tell people one of the best things that you could ever do in joining the United States military is, is being part of something that's bigger than yourself. Uh, I just really don't believe that there's really any other position that's greater than that man or woman who said, you know what, I desire to serve others. And being that selfless leader, being that selfless individual that uh, provides security, that provides a level of consistency in a country where men and women may not know your name, but yet they uh, rest in an environment, and in a culture, in a society that you help guard and protect, there's nothing better than it. So if you can see that type of selfless service in your life, there's no better place to be than to be a serviceman and woman in the United States military. Amen, brother. Rock, again, thanks for your time today. Hey, thank you, Joe. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Veterans Radio today. I am Jim Fawson. It's been a pleasure to be your host. I'm a veterans disability lawyer at Legal Help for Veterans, and you can reach us at 800-693-4800 or legalhelpforveterans.com on the web. You can follow Veterans Radio on Facebook and listen to its podcasts and Internet radio shows by going to veteransradio.net. And until next time, you are dismissed. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. We again want to thank our national sponsors, the National Veterans Business Development Council, NVBDC.org, the U.S. Small Business Administration Veterans Business Outreach Center, Eisenhower Center, VA Ann Arbor Health Care System, the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kettles Chapter, Ann Arbor, Michigan, VFW Graf O'Hara Post 423 in Ann Arbor, and the American Legion Press Corn Post 46, also in Ann Arbor. They keep us on the air, as does your support. Go to Facebook. Go to veteransradio.net and support our efforts. And until next time, you are dismissed.